This is Think Retail, a podcast where top designers, strategists, thought leaders, and business people discuss what's coming next. Hi, I'm Melinda, and you're listening to Think Retail. COVID is no longer preoccupying our lives as it was three years ago. Now, the war in Ukraine and the destabilization of the world economy are creating more uncertainty. It may seem like there are just too many things to worry about. And for retail brands that have been, t- been anticipating a celebratory end of the pandemic, it might feel almost soul crushing to be facing another major crisis. So how do you get yourself and your team back up on your feet and looking ahead to a positive future when things are so uncertain? Today, I'm speaking to Richard Durstein, SLD's EVP of Creative and Innovation. And we're going to talk about how retail brands can support their communities right now. Richard, welcome. Nice to have you here. Oh, thanks, Melinda. Yeah, excited to have this conversation. So um, let's get to it. Yeah, I thought we could start off with a, a something personally about, you know, framing the conversation through our own experiences. Like, how are you feeling right now? And is there anything that you are looking forward to? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist. Let me start by saying that. <laughs> I, I always look at opportunity. So I am elated. I'm excited about, um, you know, Canada has been in a little bit more stringent COVID lockdown. I'm excited to be coming out of that finally with all of our restrictions being lifted. And just looking at this opportunity to re-engage in retail, how is it coming back? How are brands re-engaging their customers? You know, and as supply chain kind of comes back up to its normal pace and Mm -hmm. in-store traffic increases, what are we doing to engage the customer? And, and, you know, I think, I think, you know, we've, we've had a great two years, the technology such as, you know, digital experience has really gone a long way in, in engaging customers. You know, a lot of people have embraced e-com and online shopping and delivery and, you know, but it's, it's, it's left the other side of it where we don't have this retail, this emotional retail engagement that you get from bricks and mortars. So, you know, I think, I think we're, we're all looking forward to getting back out to regrouping, to socializing without constraints, and really kind of rediscovering that retail journey and, and um, bringing people to um, back to bricks and mortar. You know? Yeah, yeah I, I feel the same way. And I moved during the pandemic to a completely different area of the city. And so what I'm looking forward to is getting out into my new neighborhood, which I've never lived in before, and discovering all those little special spots that become mine. I've already found a really great coffee shop and a really great bakery that I really like. And so that's been really fun for me. And I'm looking forward to, as the weather gets better, being outside and enjoying, um, you know, just being on the street and the, the sort of the kind of light that happens when you walk along a a busy street with all these different shops I will say that you know parenting through the pandemic it's it's very tiring and I think the sort of general feeling that I get when I talk to a lot of my friends who are parents is that everyone's just really tired and needs something to kind of lift them up and make them feel excited and even if that's just going and having a glass of wine um, at the local bar with a friend little tiny things like that feel like such a uh, a special moment when you've been deprived of it for three years and so for me I'm really excited about really savoring those little moments that I think I definitely took for granted before I mean I'd go for a wine a glass of wine every other night you know yeah, before exactly. I'd think nothing of it and now it's like oh wow it's this really special thing and so I am looking forward to that as as well yeah you know it's funny I it's like when you haven't been out in the sun for a long time you're supposed to take vitamin D, right? I mean, right now we're all living in this 
state of being deficient. Like we're socially deficient. You know, the, the pandemic and this, you know, your relative isolation has has created, it, it's created a, a rut for us. I mean, we prioritize our time different. Um, we've developed new habits and not all of these are for, you know, the best. Uh, alcohol brands have had banner years, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's no secret that we've all enjoyed that extra glasses <laughs> bottle of wine over the last couple of years. But but um, the brands that require social gathering, you know, gyms, and again, s- certain types of shopping um, have suffered. And, and you know, we are guards up like we, we, you know, can we go out? What can we do? And, you know, we're always looking over our, our shoulders. So, you know, we, we've also, in, in times of great social downturn or economy downturn, this this mentality of self-reward, you know, I'm suffering and therefore I want to re- reward myself. You know, I want to get that $5, $10 coffee and mm-hmm. um, I want to go out and experience something. I I, I deserve it. So, so you know, we're, we're, we're at a point where I think we're just waiting to be primed and brought back into this retail retail experience and, and, and ready to go, ready to engage. Yeah, and I mean the one thing I want to talk about is the conundrum of consumer confidence, because in some places people have already been out and have, you know, basically the pandemic doesn't exist. No one's talking about it, even though of course it still does exist. And then you have other areas like where we live, where we've been, we really have been in pandemic mode for quite a long time. And you've got, you may have stores as a retailer, you may have stores in, in both areas. How do you adopt policies that aren't going to make somebody some of your customers mad and how do you support your staff in helping them reduce that level of hostility because there's a pent-up sense that we it's just a a level of emotional uh, of emotion whether it's anger or frustration or feeling that we've been deprived but there is sort of a higher level of just emotionality if we want to call it that how do you help your your staff and how do you adopt policies yeah I think it's a great question there will always be policies that please and offend customers right <laughs> and and unfortunately i mean covid you know it, it was really polarizing it it really it became a political platform as much as a health concern so you know brands really need to stay focused on their customer experience and the journey so yeah. you know be true to who they are and be true to the customer's needs the physical protocols you know they're they're out of the retailer's control um, and, and there have some, been some great examples of success stories and how that has been handled over the last couple of years. You know, I, I think of like Apple and any, any kind of a mall anchor that's, that's really drawing that, that crowd in and still been able to maintain their sales. They've, they quickly adopt policies that allow the customers still experience, but um, also manage their, their health and safety concerns. So in my mind, it's, it's convenience that's really most been affected. You know, this impulse of, just being able to walk out and go shopping, you know, it's, it needs a little bit more calculation, you know, it needs to be potentially planned and, you know, you got to invest a little bit longer to make that happen. But, you know, there are some great design elements um, that can be leveraged, you know, how does color play a role in soothing and addressing customer anxiety adjacencies, you know, to help um, again, get uh, customers who want to get in and out quickly versus a customer that wants to have a deeper uh, shop. Privacy, you know, that's always something that we plan in is uh, you don't want an irate customer front and center. How can they be, um, 
how can they be secluded or uh, given the level of privacy they deserve and strengthen that that um, path to purchase and you know ultimately it comes down to managing the customer's experience from the moment they walk up to the store to the moment they leave you know purchase completed or not what to say how to say it and the process of of onboarding that customer in in the space and and for me i think the best opportunity for retail is to provide an immersive immersive emotional experience you know where the customer can uh, deeply engage a product or service and escape the stress of their short-term you know world and and really have that meaningful connection that a meaningful emotional connection um, with the product or with the brand yeah i mean it's really you got to know your customers um, and I think for me, when, you know, we've had, I've had a lot of conversations with people who work in retail, who work in hospitality about the level of uh, abuse that sometimes their, their staff have to endure or, you know, customers who are confused, who are worried, who don't want to come in because they're worried that they're going to be um, exposed to COVID. And it's just kind of all over the place. And for me, I think if, if you can give your regional managers uh, greater latitude within some guidelines of how they can respond, because nobody is going to know the stores better than the people who are actually working there. And so while a, a head office can certainly set some parameters about how that's executed, I think giving local managers the latitude to be able to respond to their own market and their own little segment of customers is going to help to sort of reduce that anxiety quite a lot. Because I think sometimes, you know, head office may be in an area where there's a certain political attitude about, you know, yes, masks are good, but you may have stores in areas where masks are really perceived as a, you know, something very negative. And so if you give that freedom to your, your local managers, you are helping them make decisions that are going to be best for the customers that they're serving. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, like one thing that we've talked about a lot and one of my recent podcasts was all about staffing and hospitality and everyone is hiring right now. Um, so let's talk about what we can do to inspire the staff that you have right now, instead of the staff that you're trying to hire, who you've already got in your stores, what do you think is key to frontline retail employee experience right now? You know, I think, I think, you know, good retailers and good staff really know their customers, right? They know their customer we call it, you know, their pain. What are they, what are they, what's the problem that they're trying to solve? Um, you know, are they coming in to, to browse? Are they coming in to purchase? Um, as they come in, how do they manage that customer and manage ultimately their expectations? Um, you know, they document, so good employers and, and employees, you know, they document and share their talk track. It's a choreography and there's great, you know, Starbucks and, and really great brands um, understand this and, and have, they don't make it complicated. It's very simple, often, you know, three to 10 steps, but they really understand that process. And in doing so, you know, they, they really empower the staff to feel that they um, have the tools and the means to solve the problem and that their concerns are being uh, addressed. And also, you know, the customer needs and the customer always feels that they're at the center of the journey. So for employers, you know, they provide the training counsel for the staff and their needs, the flexibility to ensure that their employees don't burn out and, and that they do feel positively um, supported in, in their efforts and give the recognition, you know, because these people are really the front line of the brand. This, this, they're the front line of customer interaction, and I think that's true of you know anything from a call center to a retail store, and again, even uh, on an e-com front or a mobile front. 
it's it's the front line of customer interaction. So it really has to be addressed properly and, and done right the first time. Yeah, you said a couple things that really resonate with me. One is flexibility, which I think is is so important. I think right now, um, we recently did a project on the future of work with one of our clients. And when we asked uh, potential employees what they're really looking for, yes, of course, money and compensation is really important and you have to, you have to address that. But the next most important thing to them was flexibility. And I think more and more, especially coming out of a situation where people have been working from home, addressing flexibility, even as much as offering job sharing opportunities. And it, there's there's so much more that employers can do that they they just haven't been required to do, but now they're going to have to think about it. Um, the other thing that you, you said that resonated with me was recognition. And I think it's it's beyond sort of we've 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 all seen you know the the typical things that companies do to recognize employees and everyone's been doing sort of similar things but I think it's time to surprise your staff with small things that that really matter small things can make a big impact they can say a lot especially if they're thoughtful um, and and to empower managers at the store level to say here's a budget for this and here's how you know we want you to spend a certain amount of money and a certain amount of time on small things for your team. Because I think that that kind of being surprised and being recognized with something that's specific to you means a lot more than something that feels like it's coming from head office. Um, I also think just on a last note, I think I think all um, retail companies need to adopt a zero policy for abusive behavior from, from customers. And sadly, I've heard from many people who do work in retail that, that this has been that something that's been increasing. And whether that's whether you need to add security, it really depends on your situation, but it does need to be a policy that's quite clearly stated. And, and in some cases, you know, I know restaurants are posting signs outside saying we're not tolerating any abusive behavior. And it's unfortunate that they, they feel that they have to actually go to that level where they're communicating it before you even walk in the door. But if that's something that you need to do, then you do need to do that because I think staff have endured quite a lot during this, um, the last three years in certain, um, cases, say, for example, pharmacies. I know a lot of pharmacy staff have um, really suffered a lot of abuse that they didn't deserve. So it's really important to protect your staff. Absolutely. Um, we talked a little bit about this, but let's talk about it a little bit more. Um, we adopted online shopping faster than we could ever have possibly imagined. And every brand that wasn't already all the way into um, online shopping platforms has really spent all their time investing in it. What do you think we should keep? And what are you hoping will change in terms of e-commerce and omni-channel as we come out of the pandemic? Yeah, another great question. So I think the pandemic has really helped, as you say, it's driven a lot of trust around um, digital tools and the trust of using them and fulfilling and you know uh, customers have really got this this great opportunity uh, to learn you know online to compare um, and then fulfill their orders without ever going into the store so digital is here to stay but it's the solution uh, is not about digital in place of physical but rather how the two can work together to help drive, you know, a deeper engagement by ultimately empowering the customer. You know, use digital, how can we use digital in a retail setting to kind of get rid of that, um, that kind of table stakes, monotonous, you know, choreography, the stuff that's kind of baggage in terms of your journey um, and, and use that time and that, that customer's time that's been freed up to really emotionally 
connect deeper and again allow them to have a more of a, a deep connection to this to the store experience so again he, here are some examples in machine learning and ai and you know it's all coming into play how can my preferences and my time be used to my advantage you know what i'm coming in in for don't make me run the gauntlet you know then when i say that traditional retailing you know you want to get the customer through the entire store if you're a grocery store you put the milk at the back so that the customer has to go through all of the departments and i think that's a that's one strategy but um how can we recognize and prioritize the customer's need based on the journey they want to have today how can ai provide me with an experience that i was not expecting so again surprise me I, I was coming in to get the milk, but I walked in the door and I, I was inspired. I was connected. I saw something new. How can, how can the technology drive me to do something that I wasn't expecting? You know, how can we, and, and as I said earlier, how can we get through the clutter of, of this typical store to allow me to have a time sensitive journey or a deep shop journey where I can learn? What can the store do that the metaverse can't? And that's a whole other conversation with what's happening. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, you know, what is the value of bricks and mortar? And, and you know, I always say, like, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the only journey that allows you to use at this period in time, all of your senses. So, um, you know, it's, there's still a lot of power in that. And uh, to really tip everything on its end, you know, forget the traditional shop. You know, I come into a grocery store and I start in the produce area. What if I said, okay, retailer, I have 10 minutes. Show me something. Guide me. Do something with my 10 minutes. And, and it just flips the whole you know, uh, opportunity. And it, it goes from a purpose-driven shop to more of an opportunity, to more of an uh, emotional shop. What would that look like? And, and you know, I think some of these tactics, some of these um, approaches are going to become definitely more prevalent as we move into a digital space. But what are the opportunities for bricks and mortar as well? Yeah, I agree. I think like I, what I, I mean, I've only been out shopping a few times recently as, you know, our, all of our mandates here have lifted. And I find that my, first of all, I don't have as much energy to sort of go through store after store as I might have before the pandemic. So I might choose a few select stores. And if I'm not really engaged, I'll just kind of call it quits and say, if I'm only going to go to five stores, I want that experience to be worth taking this trip out of my house for. And I want curation. I don't want to go into something where there's a lot of stuff that's in my face. Um, and I'm finding this with websites as well. I don't want too many products because it's just, you know, we've all been in our houses. We've all been in this really sort of small, very safe little environment. If something is too cluttered and too crazy, it's hard for me to even, I, I, I walked into some stores and walked right out because it was just like, wow, you're hitting me with too much stuff. I couldn't mm -hmm. even see to the end of the store. I couldn't even have that sort of experience of like seeing the expanse of what your store looks like. Um, and I think like that's something that as stores evolve and we think about what is the what is the experience? Because it's not just about showing me a bunch of products because I probably went on your website before I came in here and looked at a bunch of products. So I've already seen the products. So what else? What else is there? And I think that curation is really gonna be really helpful to making a more memorable experience and having it be more about the experience and less about the products because I can always just, if you don't have my size, I can just order it online and it's gonna be at my house by the next day anyways. So I, I agree that it's really time to get, I, I, wanna, I wanna be excited when I'm out. Yeah, absolutely.
one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is that during the pandemic, we all found new ways to entertain ourselves, whether it was like being part of the sourdough trend or, you know, my husband really got into spoon carving. Um, how could retailers integrate some of these newfound hobbies and interests into the store experience? Yeah, well, that's a big question. The, the most immediate connection I can make is, um, you know, I think I think for a lot of people, social and social engagement is really been what has allowed us to stay mentally healthy to some degree over the mm -hmm. last couple of years, um, to stay physically connected at, as we weren't able to travel. And um, so, you know, I think there's a big opportunity there. Like I, I said earlier, you know, we're all socially starved um, in the physical sense. We're all sensory starved. We want to get out and communicate and see something, you know, other than our home office or the couch or, you know, our, our, our um, you know, our tr short trip to the office for a couple of days a week. So how can, uh, how can communities have a voice in the store? How can we start having the social interact with the retail? And there's some great examples out there of brands that have, have been able to start um, exploring integration. But, you know, how can that digital world, that social world, have a voice um, or a sense of sharing within um, the store journey? And that can appear in personalization that can uh, come into self-expression within the store, um, social sharing of, of what we purchased and how we purchased. And again, you know, just a real opportunity to, to kind of combine the best of both worlds. I agree that that personalization and self-expression is something that I really got super into on social media during the pandemic, learning about local artisans and, you know, indie brands like designers that are just sort of like a one person show. And they really became part of my community as part of the pandemic. And if I could walk there, I might go and pick something up. And I really loved the idea of these, you know, one, it, it, this isn't, a unique piece. No one else is going to have something like this. And one of the trends that I found really interesting was these small batch pottery drops where these different brands that are making pottery would, they would say, you know, on, it, it would, it, it was almost kind of, you know, it was like a, a really trendy um, streetwear brand. People would be grabbing those pieces as soon as they dropped and they'd be sold out within minutes. And this idea of these um, really unique, special things that are, it could be as something as small as a mug, a coffee mug, but they felt so special. And so I think there's an opportunity to, to have more small batch. You don't need to create hundreds and hundreds and thousands of products, make something more special and more unique to me and my community and my, uh, my experience. And that's something I think that we, I, we're already starting to see retailers doing that. And I'd love to see, see more of that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Another um, uh, behavior we learned online was socializing, learning, and working online. And we we mentioned this a little bit, and we could do a whole podcast about this, but uh, let's just dabble, dip our toe into the waters of the metaverse. Um, how do you feel about these kinds of experiences, and why do you think retail brands should or shouldn't be excited about them? I think the metaverse is definitely exciting. Um, you know, we we are big believers in allowing the customer to have multiple ways of shopping, engaging, and having a, a path to purchase. But I think it'll take some time for industries to really understand what the metaverse is capable of. Yeah. Um, the, I think the immediate challenge that we have right now is that everybody's in the examples that have been out there, you know, that, that they're kind of saying, here's, here's a physical journey. And we just move that into a virtual journey. And, you know, there you go, there's the metaverse. 
And, um, you know, that's one approach. I think it's kind of, I just think it's kind of ho-hum because a lot of times the problem, the true customer problem isn't being solved. It's being emulated, but it's not being solved. So, you know, yes, there's a need to virtually represent products and services in an interface, but it, it you know, it doesn't have to mirror the, the traditional journey. I think, I think we have more immediately, we'll have an error, an era of um, augmented physical shopping by way of glasses or mobile that'll, that layers product information and features and navigation to have that deeper, you know, educational time sensitive shopping i'm really excited for that and that too is metaverse that is that is part of the metaverse um you know the the real opportunity when we get into the virtual world and i think that's where a lot of the the news and the focus is right now how can we completely take everything we know about a physical store journey and throw it out the window you know don't show me a recreated shopping aisle that has 50 cans of soup sitting on the counter why do we need an aisle? Like, you know, why do we need a can? <laughs> yeah. What would that look like? So, um, you know, um, what if these barriers were, were removed? And like, for example, what if you could start your shopping experience by just thinking of a color and then being going through a parade of, or, or having products offered up that are in that color. And again, so, you know, you're engaging your senses a little more, you're you're engaging emotion a little bit more and gaming has been really good in doing this. Um, I've got a son who's, who's very, uh, very much into video games as I think most people have uh, kids and the, the gaming space. I think of like the recent, um, it was about a year ago, May, 2021 Roblox hosted uh, the Gucci garden. And mm -hmm. it was just a two week pop-up where they could build awareness for younger consumers. And, you know, that you basically come into this space as a, uh, you know, a, a 3D silhouette, you know, devoid of color. And as you walk through these areas and you choose where you're walking, you start absorbing, your avatar starts absorbing what it's coming in contact with. And, you know, you, you, as you go through these themed rooms and it really allowed the customer to, or the, these younger customers to really, experience the brand in a different way that is exciting you know show me something that i can't do in the physical space just like in the physical space show me something that you can't do in the virtual space so yeah it's exciting yeah a lot of room for creativity that i think as companies try to make the technology work i think there's just so much more room exactly like you said to to if all those if you didn't need walls if you didn't need to walk if you didn't need to touch anything if you didn't need product what would the experience look like and i think there's we have not seen what it's actually going to look like yet but it is going to be really interesting to see what happens with that well given that globally i want to go back to sort of just where we're at right now um given that there is a lot of anxiety especially around the economy right now well what's the tone that you think will resonate with consumers? And are there any groups that you think brands should be um, giving special consideration to? Hmm. Uh, I think I think people young and old have really experienced tremendous isolation and anxiety. And, and you know, you as you mentioned, there are several things that lead into that. The opportunity is this platform, retail is a platform for social gathering. And, you know, whether it's movie theaters or malls or individual stores, you know, let's come out of the shadows. Let's refocus on 
the great feelings and the positivity of face-to-face. -face. You know, education has suffered. The physical connecting through proximity for like, you know, I think again, my son, um, you know, whether it's gym or school dances or walking with friends or after school sports and socialization. Again, you know, what the opportunity is from a retail standpoint to really be that, that platform that area where like-minded individuals can really celebrate their love of a brand, get back out from, from the isolation that they've been living in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think education is a really important one. I think there's going to be a learning gap that is probably going to have rolling impact for years to come. And I think I, I've already noticed that a lot of brands are offering in-house learning to their staff. They're offering to pay back people's tuition fees if they come and work for them, giving their company uh, employees upskilling opportunities. I think we're going to need to really invest in young graduates who are coming into um, into our companies with those opportunities because the, even if they have been at school, it hasn't been a full educational experience for sure. So there's definitely going to be a, a, a need to support young employees as they as they come on board. Yep. Um, so many retailers have been sort of in the suspended state, just waiting for the pandemic to end before putting innovation and transformation, other sort of future looking projects back onto their agenda. So now that it seems that, okay, we're not necessarily bouncing back to this pre-COVID world, it's going to look a little different. What do you think retailers should do next? Oh my gosh, let's go. Um, I mean, <laughs> you know, the consumer's still there. And I think, I think, you know, obviously again, supply chain and some of the logistics of getting inventory to out to the retail stores, there's still some challenges and there's still some lag that that's been in place for a year or so. Customers want a reason to leave their house. You know, I, I think about my my mother, you know, wanting to get out of the house, just she doesn't need to. She she wants to, <laughs> you know, she, she can have the products delivered the next day uh, or same day from her grocery store, but there's something about getting out and doing that. And that excitement, that discovery, that journey that, that I think, you know, customers are very much still hungry for. I think the pandemic and the last year or two, again, with these supply chain issues have, have shown us that immediacy isn't necessarily um, a driver. I don't have to leave the store with something. I may be just looking to fill my time card. Um, I need to do something for the next hour or two. So I'm just going to go out and ex experience. Just so, talk you know, to somebody, just, just well, talking to somebody. Exactly. <laughs> and, and if you don't have all that inventory on the floor and you can reclaim some space, what would you use that space to engage the customer in? You know, we've seen banks put coffee shops and, and bookstores put coffee shops into their store, but you know, your brand, what's the opportunity to, to further engage your customer. How can we clear out a little bit of inventory, you know, and, and really create something that is um, unique and that it's experience driven and that will give customers something to talk about in store, socially, share with their friends, ultimately drive more traffic to the store. For more information about Think Retail, you can reach us at info at sld.com. For more episodes, visit us online at sld.com slash podcast.